0: 167 days in space, over 38 hours performing spacewalks, traveling more than six million miles, making hundreds of orbits about the Earth. But how did I get there? This is the making of an ordinary spaceman. I'm Clayton C. Anderson, and these are my stories. Listeners out there in the podcast world, today is a special day for me. Uh, Anytime I do a podcast episode, it's special. Uh, But today it's uh, extra special because we have my Oma bro with us today. And uh, that's kind of what I use to talk to my brother, Kirby, my younger brother. This is key in today's discussion. He is my younger brother by about 18 months. And uh, so as my younger brother and my Oma bro and part of our podcast, The Making of an Ordinary Spaceman. It's very important to me to have him on as one of our guests. So welcome, brother. It's great to have you here. Well, it's nice to be here. <laughs> nice <laughs> and, to be and anywhere. by the way, I'm the one that co- coined the Oma bro. Oh, well. Remember. So there you go.
1: <laughs> he can trademark it later. Actually, no, that you're correct. You you came up with Oma bro. I was the Oma Andersons. I, oh, would, I, I be- would respond, I think, Oma, Oma Andersons.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> so, we need to trademark both of them, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that'll get us about 50 cents uh, over 20 years. So <laughs> so the way I want to start today, brother, is I want to welcome you, and I want to ask you to just tell us a little bit briefly about where you are, what you do for a living, uh, uh, your family content, a couple things like that. Okay, well, <clears throat> I've lived in Omaha for
1: probably... Since 1983, how many years is that? Almost 40. Mm -hmm. Um, Grew up in Ashland, of course. And uh, currently, well, I've been uh, employed at the Nebraska Nebraska Medicine for the last couple years. uh, Was at UNMC for 25 years. Uh, Which is the
0: University of Nebraska Medical Center, for those of you out there that don't know.
1: Um, And we were transitioned over to Nebraska Medicine couple, a uh, year and a half ago. Um, I work in the uh, human genetics lab um, as a, a cytogenetic technologist. Uh, Yikes. We do, we, do, <laughs> um, we do DNA studies and chromosome analysis and, you know, try to help um, doctors figure out uh, what kind of cancer a patient may have or uh, disorders that newborns might have that uh, when they're they're born with issues, uh, try to help uh, parents that are struggling with pregnancy mm-hmm. figure out why they might be struggling with pregnancy. Uh, uh, my main focus is um, the prenatal section where uh, we deal with parents that have lost multiple pregnancies and. Um, parents that may be at higher risk to lose pregnancies, so we do studies on amniotic fluid specimens so that they can uh, uh, guarantee or at least uh, find out if their baby's normal or not mm-hmm. normal, uh, genetically, chromosomally.
0: Um, so you're not you're not out there convicting bad guys like they do on CSI and stuff like no, that. You're not looking no. at DNA from 40 years ago and convicting some no. cold case guy.
1: No, but you know we we work sort of with the people that do that, you know the the uh, gen, uh the uh micro uh, the genetic uh, oh, I can't even think what their labs called. Um but uh they they work
0: right downstairs from us and we kind of worked with them
1: on on some stuff, but
0: um so I won't be seeing you on any TV shows in the near future. No.
1: Well, I don't know. News stories. The news people do some stories once in a while that came came through. They they took video of me at my microscope once just because they needed some stock footage of, of, of a person doing microscope B-roll analysis. is what we called it at NASA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're always good for some B-roll. Yeah. Well, and that was only because I was there late. I was the only one left. They had recorded somebody earlier, but uh-huh. that video didn't work, so they needed more video,
0: and I was still there. So, <laughs> And he's married to a beautiful bride, Gina, and they have three beautiful daughters. Yeah, We've been together for
1: 39 years. Well, it'll be 39 years next March, and we've been married for, it'll be 33 years next March.
0: Awesome. And awesome.
1: Yeah, three daughters. Taylor, Jordan, and Sydney,
0: and uh, well, that's uh, their numerical order too. Taylor's
1: oldest, yeah. Jordan and Sydney. Yeah, and I, we kind of decided on names whether they're boys, boys or girls. We're going to use the same names, so <laughs> that's kind of what that genesis was. But
0: well, I want to dial back the clock now. Oh, by the way, I know you're looking at this video and you're saying, "Man, you guys look alike." <laughs> and yes, we do. And the older we get, the more alike we look. So back off. It's genetics. He just told you about that. So now, uh, I want to dial us back to when we were kids, and we were growing up on Euclid Street, 1518 Euclid in Ashland, Nebraska. And uh, as I recall, we used to fight a lot. And (laughs) we used to fight a lot such that we would be, we would go to bed, we'd have to go to bed, and we'd go upstairs, but we'd be Messing with each other, right? We'd get in the bed and we'd fight with each other. And then typically uh, we'd be making noise. And then that's when we'd hear dad say, what's going on up there? Don't make me come up there. And then if it got worse, you'd hear what what would we hear? One or two or three or four stomps on the stairs, right? Bump, 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 bump. As if he was going to come up and get us. <laughs> and then it would get quiet. And then we would wake up the next morning and the overhead light would still be on because... You know, we never turned any lights off. What are your recollections of those yeah. well, wonderful times? Um, I don't know if
1: fight is the proper word. Once in a while, we <laughs> we end up in a fight. Cause, argue. Yeah, argue. things would escalate a little bit. But, you know, we were typical brothers that were only a year or so apart and uh, shared a room and shared a bed for how many years? I mean, I don't know how old we were before we got our own twin beds, but we slept in a queen size bed side by side for a lot of years. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, we just normal rambunctious behavior, you know, and a lot of times it would escalate because I was the one that got upset mm-hmm. you know, I, and I still have a trigger temper sometimes. I mean, I, I I like to break things sometimes. It does make me feel better. You know you just usually hear, you know, does that make you feel better after you break something?" It's like, well, yes, yes, actually it did. But uh, you know, we'd be messing with each other, and you know mm-hmm. a lot of times I would end up getting upset more than you, and you'd just be laughing at me and be then laughing I, then and I'd that get, made him
0: matter. then I'd get
1: more mad. And, and uh, you know, I was kind of that way with Lori, too. Being the youngest, I was kind of I could be a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. I know I was, um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know I I do remember that a lot of times. But uh, I remember more that we were we were best friends. Mm-hmm. You know more than anything. Yep. And uh, you know I did write down a couple things that, you know, you weren't just my brother, um, you were my teacher, my my coach, uh, my biggest fan. Not um, for sure. I was your biggest fan. Yeah, my yeah. mentor, my my inspiration a lot of times. Um, But, you know, also growing up, it it was, you know, it was a blessing and a curse. I wrote down that being your little (laughs) brother, um, you know, blessing for all those reasons I just said. But um, you were a tough act to follow because, you know, I was only one year behind you. Right. And, you know, you did well in school. You were everybody liked you you know you were you were a good person a, a good friend um, outgoing um, positive and all those things and you know then I'd come along and I wasn't all those things you're no, pretty close I wasn't as outgoing I, I'm pretty shy I'm a lot more yeah. shy than you and Lori um, and this kind of stuff makes me uncomfortable <laughs> you're doing great <laughs> doing great well and it's like my toast at Taylor's wedding too. I was scared to death and that went really well, but I was scared that it wasn't going to go well at all. But, um, you know, coming behind you was was difficult because a lot of the teachers expected me to be the same good student. And, you know, I was an average student, average to good, I guess. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I worked as hard at it as you did. It came naturally to you too, but you, on top of being smart, to start with you worked hard and you, you know, tried to be, you know, do the things you needed to do. And I didn't always do
0: that. (laughs) Well, I know I was influential as a brother because I convinced him to do with me. We were big Batman and Robin, uh, fans when we were little. Right. And we had at our house, we had a a yellow towel and a blue towel. Well, if you remember back to the old Adam West and Burt Ward days, Robin wore the yellow towel, the yellow cape, and Batman had a blue cape. So I convinced my brother <laughs> to don the yellow cape, and I donned the blue cape, and we climbed up on the top of our garage. remember this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we used to jump off the garage to the ground below and uh, deal with the villains and and the Joker and and the Catwoman and all that stuff as we messed around and goofed off and were just being kids. So. Uh, I did have a lot of control over him mentally, like that. <laughs> In that, uh, and the other story I remember is when, and you may not remember this, but we had some. One of us had gotten a toy tool set. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And you remember the banister that went up oh, the stairs? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. I think that was yeah. I yeah, told and tool, and tool you, kit. You had sawed. Yeah. He uh, took the little toy saw and sawed lines. <laughs> all the way down the toolkit, well, or all the way down the banister. And then when dad came home and mom came home and they saw these carvings in the banister, we all got in trouble because none of us would admit who did it. And I kept saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And I know Lori and Kirby will be, I don't know if they remember this, but I got to come down and have dinner because I told them I didn't do it. And they believed me, and then Kirby finally, you'd finally admit it, I think.
1: Well, actually, I don't. I don't remember the ramifications of my toolkit use, but I didn't. It was a saw. Yeah, you're what do you do with the saw. saw? You're supposed to saw wood. <laughs> and I don't remember how old I was either, but I remember doing that. But I don't really remember what happened afterwards. But I, I the the uh, incident I think you're thinking of was not related to that because somebody had torn papers up or something was the incident oh. where we all got sent to bed without oh, dinner yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're right you're right and laurie and i were more of the i don't want i should use the word liars but you know we had a little trouble <laughs> telling the truth way more than you did <laughs> and we all went to bed without dinner but they or maybe we didn't all go to bed without dinner but i remember you got off because they believed you. Right, which right. They well, and I whined about it, right? I was oh, well, I didn't
0: do it, I didn't do it. I
1: probably, but, you know, <laughs> you didn't do it, and I didn't do that either. I did saw the, the, banister, the banister, and I, you didn't like I said, that. I don't remember what happened after that, but <laughs> I didn't tear up the paper, and I did come downstairs and admit it because I was hungry, and I, yeah. wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to eat. Yeah, <laughs> But right after that, you know, Lori heard that I was Confessing to something I didn't do because she did it. She and owned she, up. She owned up to it at that point. But um, <laughs> I, I thought that was not
0: fair because <laughs> I didn't do it. But I understood you were taking one for the team. See, yeah. early in your life, you understood <laughs> what it meant to take one for the team. Yeah. And I, I also think of the as I was thinking of stories from our childhood when we went to Boy Scout camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to Camp Cedars. It's somewhere near Fremont, Nebraska. I, I wouldn't be able to find it today. But we had gone to camp, and our dad, Jack, was sometimes one of the chaperones. He was not typically there the entire week of camp, but he would show up. You know, they'd kind of trade off. A dad would come for a couple of days, and then a new dad would roll in. And we were there for something, and we were – one of the events or one of the activities we were going to do was we are going to hike somewhere. You remember this one? Oh, yeah. And we were going to hike, hike. and and we were going to hike and camp. And even though we were Boy Scouts, Kirby and I didn't have any gear. And, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't something we could really afford as a family back then. So we got to go to camp, and we get to camp, and we learn that we're going to go on this uh, excursion, and we don't have anything to carry our stuff in. And so Dad comes up with something he must have learned in the Navy, and he called it a pants pack. And so we did have an extra pair of jeans with us. So you take the legs of the jeans, and you tie the legs together. And that leaves you with a hole that's big enough to put over your head. And then you take your belt, and you put your belt in your pants, and you stuff your gear up inside the pants, and then you cinch the belt down as tight as it will go to hold your sleeping bag or to, and, and that sort of thing and so here we were <laughs> my brother and I well and I guess all the kids from Ashland that didn't have stuff there were more of us that didn't have stuff so we there were three or four or five of us that had these pants packs we called them and my god did they they made, kids made fun of us and they laughed at us and, oh, and I, I also remember because
1: um, he also had a, some rope or something and with me anyway he rolled up my sleeping bag in a cylinder with the rope through the middle of it and then he had some kind of a pad you know mm-hmm. wrapped shoulder up pad yeah and so it was like slung over my shoulder to carry that and it worked pretty good but after i don't know how even how far we hiked it probably wasn't near as far as it felt like it was for <laughs> yeah. the age but and i think were we trying to get a hiking camping badge yeah probably or a
0: merit badge or something but uh-huh.
1: I remember my shoulder, it's like not, <laughs> not too far into that trip, and we were just walking down a country ro- yep, road yep. and in no shade and blazing heat. Yep. <laughs>
0: and uh, that was not a fun a fun. But trip. I, I think about how clever he was, mm-hmm. right, to come up with this. We had nothing. And all these other kids, some of them had fancy, you know, purchased backpacks that were – you know, Boy Scout certified, and there was a place for your sleeping bag and a place for all your gear and and all that stuff. And here we were walking down this, the country road with backpacks over our neck that were made out of our blue jeans. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's a good story. So now I want now that we're talking about dad, let's jump ahead a little bit, and I want to talk about mom and dad together and apart in in terms of how they parented us. Um. And what I'm looking for is, you know, in this podcast, The Making of an Ordinary Spaceman, how did I become an astronaut, right? Well, they were my parents or our parents, and you and Lori were big influences on the family, on me, on each of us, right? We interacted. So tell me about your thoughts uh, about dad and mom's parenting style. And then even more specifically, once I left for college, Lori was already gone and I had left for college, now it's just you, and did their parenting style change at all, and if it did, how did it change? Well,
1: I, you know, mom, of course, was more hands-on. She was more there because, you know, she was, well, we spent more time with her, let's put it that way, because, you know, she was trying to finish her schooling mm-hmm. after dad, you know, had his first heart attack. Um so I, being the youngest, I spent a lot of time with mom. I remember always going to the grocery store with her, and I'd go into you know Bellevue every time she went in to see her mom, right. Grandma Ann. And I went with her almost every single time. Um, so I spent a lot more time with mom than dad. Um, and mom, they were both tough. I mean, we knew the expectations they had. Um, yeah, <laughs> but we we got away with a lot more with mom, you know. Yes, yes, she, we then, did. Then we did with dad. We knew dad. You know, the minute he got home, you know, we better straighten up. And it was <laughs> a typical household where you know you wait till your father gets home. Which you know, at, after I grew up and had my own kids, I used to hate that because right. I didn't think it was fair to the father to say, <laughs> "You, many of you walk in the door, you have to punish your kids for something you didn't even know they, oh, they did, did two, yeah. like, two seconds yeah. ago," and it kind of makes you the bad guy. Um, but you know, <laughs> we knew Dad had high expectations and what he expected us of us as they both did. But you didn't mess with Dad, right? You didn't want to. You didn't want right. to get, get Dad angry. Not that they, you know, uh, were. A, yeah, they used to in any stretch of the word, but, you know, typical of that time, we'd get spanked, and I remember mm-hmm. we get, you know, lined up on the couch, and we'd all get spanked, um, um, but that was the extent of it.
0: I mean... Yeah, I remember a specific instance of that where the three of us had been being huge pains in the butt to each other, to, to mom and dad, and uh, you probably remember this too, it was the time... Uh, well, basically, Dad came into the picture, and Dad was going to spank us, all three of us. So we're sitting on the couch, three in a row, <laughs> winking, blinking, and, blink and a nod, or <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil, say no evil. And Dad's going to let us know how the cow eats the cabbage. But then he got in this mode, and he started to talk to us about how special it was that we had each other.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Remember this? Mm-hmm. And that
0: he had a sister— Uh, Aunt Dorothy, it would turn out to be that he had not seen uh, since he was like six or she was sixteen years old. It had been decades uh, because she had left Ashland. She had left the family, ran away from home, ran away from home. And so he's standing there and he's getting emotional. And Dad didn't get emotional very often. And he's getting emotional. He's tearing up and he's telling his three kids. And I don't remember how old we were, but he's uh, telling these three kids. Uh, about his sister that he hadn't seen in decades and how we should treat each other with more respect, with more specialness, right? And it would turn out then, like a day or or two days or whatever it was, a very short time period after that incident, our phone rings. And he answers the phone, and it's his sister. (laughs) And he hasn't heard from her in years, and he goes through this thing, and I think it's a God thing, personally, uh, one of those God winks that people talk about where his sister calls him, and he, get, he cries on the phone, he talks to her, and the next thing you know, he's taking money out of the bank and buying an airplane ticket to fly from Omaha to Boston, Massachusetts to see his sister. And to me, that was a poignant moment for, for me as a kid, and I try to remember that as a dad. Probably not as well as I should, but that was special. And the older I get, the more special the time with you and Lori and the family becomes. So did I remember that one right? Yeah. Pretty close. I don't recall the timeline either, but yeah, it wasn't
1: too long after that. And, uh, you know, I, I remember... A lot of times it was after church on Sunday that we oh, yeah get the, 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 yeah we were not good behavior yeah, the dress down <laughs> in church and uh, you know we went to church every week and yep. you know sat through the service and we go to Sunday school before and then sat through the service every Sunday and you know we were kids we were you know it could be annoying um, but a lot of Sundays after church we get we get the dress down but um, and I don't remember the particulars either about why that. Interaction with all three of us caused that reaction in dad, but I, I do remember that um, as being an important milestone. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I try to be that way more with my kids, but I don't know that I succeeded. And uh, now with my grandson, I probably don't talk to him about emotions and, and life and stuff as much as I should either. I'm just not that outgoing Um, well, maybe you can be from, from moving forward, but you know, to the, to the question about how they, if they changed when I was the only one left in the house, I don't know that they did. I know I got to drive a car to school every day (laughs) after that because dad had a state car and we had Mm -hmm. two cars. So mom would take one and then I got to take the other one, but you know, it was only a three block walk to school anyway, but (laughs) I, I don't remember that I drove Every day, but if you know, if I wanted to, I could, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so that was a nice, nice benefit. But you know, Dad, um, Dad, and Mom were always there for us, yeah, at every step along the way. Um, and I know if they couldn't both go to something, we had they divided and conquered. Yeah. yeah, and you know, of course, that didn't change at all. And you know, even though you were at Hastings and Lori was at Hastings at that time. Um, it made it more difficult to get to everything, but, you know, your games were on Saturdays, so that, you know, football games, so that made it easy. You could go to my Friday night games, and then we both go to your Saturday games if they were fairly close. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, it was different from my point of view being the only kid in the house. Um, You know, I don't know how different it was from their point of view because, you know, they still had a kid in the house, um, and their lives didn't really change other than that. But it, I remember it, it felt so different for me. And, you know, we we were almost joined at the hip a lot of the time. I mean, playing with the same neighborhood kids right. know, as a group, um, playing with each other, you know, football, basketball, baseball in the yard um, or down around the corner in the vacant lot. Yeah, we're going to get to that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it – it was strange to be the only one in the house. And I remember how quiet it seemed to be
0: more so. Sure. But what traits from them then do you think, you know, I could answer this question from my perspective, but I want you to answer it from your perspective. What traits, what did they bring to the table that you think helped me become an astronaut? Well,
1: accountability, sure. Responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, stick-to-itiveness
0: yeah they wouldn't let us quit anything yeah i mean we'd try (laughs) me more than well Well, i don't know i tried pretty hard with piano lessons (laughs) Well, yeah
1: and you know i was grateful of most of the things that they made us stick with but um i didn't have to dance like you guys did i'm not sure why i got out of dance i think because you guys weren't Doing it at about the same time I would have
0: started, you guys right. were stopping. I don't right. know if the cost was too much or what, but I was I, tap dancing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't remember. I'm going to guess that the the lady that taught the tap dance in Ashland wasn't there anymore. Is yeah. what sticks in my head, but but you know, pretty much everything else we all did the same kind of
1: things. I mean, we were way more into sports than Lori was, but mm-hmm. um, you know, music, theater academics, sports, um, church, um, you know, I'm not sure about community kind of stuff. You know, dad was so active in the community and so was mom. Right. Um, but you know, dad was up front and center on a community level in Ashland. You know, everybody knew dad. Well, everybody knew mom too, but she was more behind the scenes, but you know, just the expectation and you know, that own your behavior and, be responsible for right. your behavior and, and serve uh, others. Yeah. And serve I think others. that was big. Um, I remember particularly Lori and me, I don't, I don't remember if you ever had any, I don't want to say scrapes with the law, but you know, Oh
0: ques- no, zero things. scrapes
1: with the law. Now, <laughs> but I remember Lori was with some kids on Halloween yeah, and yeah. somebody threw an egg yep. and I don't remember if it hit the officer or just came close, or it splattered on the officer. But they all got hauled down downtown, to the yeah. And yep. I don't remember because it was interesting because they didn't react the same way. I don't remember, but one of them thought it was funny. One of them did not. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. But the interesting thing to me was later when I was a senior in high school, it was homecoming and yeah, near bonfire. <laughs> A uh, rally was that night, and <laughs> some buddies of mine had commandeered, stolen, an outhouse from a farm yep. outside of Greenwood, and we were gonna. They were gonna. We all agreed we'd put it in at the bonfire so we could burn the outhouse. And you know, for some reason, it was decided to drive down Main Street <laughs> with the outhouse in the back of the uh, El Camino. Not good judgment. Bob Frank. <laughs> and a police officer uh, after his uh, long career. Actually a state patrol detective. <laughs> and so we took that down to the side of the bonfire, and the bonfire was just cardboard boxes, which you know we didn't think was much of a bonfire. Right. So we buried the outhouse in the boxes, which we did a really good job while we painted up the outhouse first and then buried the outhouse in the boxes. So we covered it up pretty good, but... We were discovered, of course. Yes, and um, so we we got in trouble with that because pretty much they knew who mm-hmm. did it because we drove down, drove Main, down Main, Street, Main Street, Bob Frank, <laughs> and but the interesting thing to me was is they didn't both react the same way again. But my memory tells me it was the opposite that the one that thought it was yeah. funny now was not the one that thought it was funny when Lori got in trouble, and obviously the one that didn't think it was funny now was the opposite. So, (laughs) but again, I don't recall which one it was, but, you know, just, you know, doing the right thing, being responsible, you know, seeing something through. I mean, that was just the way they were. And, you know, dad went to work every day regardless of how he felt. I don't ever remember him staying home sick except when he had health issues. Right. Um, mom when she was a stay-at-home mom you know took care of things and then she also of course went back to school to finish her degree when dad started having some health issues because she didn't want to be a single mom without a college degree and right you know ended up getting her master's degree as a non-traditional student
0: which i think is is indicative of dad in that in the way that he allowed her to do that right Mm -hmm. at that time in the in the American culture, uh, that was frowned upon in, in a lot of circles where the, the dad was the breadwinner and the mom stayed at home. And when mom decided she wanted to go back and get that degree, I thought it was pretty cool a dad to say, go do it, right? Mm-hmm. And he let her do it and they found a way to come up with the money and uh, that sticks in my mind about dad. And the other thing that sticks in my mind about dad was his uh, willingness to serve Mm -hmm. uh, in the community and and everywhere. And I think that helped me become an astronaut. And I think, and that's why I, whenever I speak, I talk about that. I talk about well-roundedness. I talk about responsibility and perseverance, but I also talk about community service, you know, serving others because I think well-rounded people make better citizens. So, um, I can agree with you wholeheartedly that those were the things they brought to the table well and i remember more than one time mom
1: you know talking to us about um you know goals i don't you know, remember dad having too many of those conversations with us um but me either mom always talked about you know exploring different things and mm-hmm. to find your passion and she was kind of you know a dichotomy where she on one hand would she believed i think in fate and destiny kind of things but i think she also believed you had to make your own right destiny by you know doing things and trying things and exploring things
0: and uh you know i'm sure that had
1: a lot of influence too
0: Oh absolutely absolutely she told me at one time you know i wanted to go to UCLA and play basketball for John Wooden <laughs> You know, that was pretty much a pipe dream, right? But um, I tell the story where uh, I applied to UCLA. I sent the money or whatever it was back then. I sent in my ATC, ACT scores, which were pretty good. And I heard zero back, absolutely zero. And I remember telling my dad, Dad, I want to go to UCLA. And dad looked at me and he goes, uh, that's in Los Angeles, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dad, it's UCLA. Uh it's pretty expensive there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, dad. Uh I don't think you should go there then. And he kind of walks away, right? And then mom whispers in my ear and she says, "If that's what you dream, we will find a way." And you know, those are the kind of words that I needed to hear. I think kids today need to hear those words, right? "We'll find a way" and and to dream and do great things. So let's change the Discussion here a little bit more, and let's talk about sports because we were pretty tied up in every sport in high, junior high, and high school, and even college. We did sports together, so um, talk to me about your remembrances of what we did as uh, high school athletes. Any stories that stand out? Because I've got a couple on you that I remember, and then college as well, and and also coaches. How the coaches influenced. You know, and how they treated us and, and, and the kind of things that would happen in a typical practice or game or whatever. Well, and that, <clears throat> that's kind of a, a
1: strange situation, too, because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how you were a tough act to follow, and a lot of the teachers um, would assume that I would be the same kind of student that mm-hmm. you were. Um, but that didn't always carry over onto the sports side because you were ahead of me of course one year and you were great at everything i mean you played as a freshman on the football team um because we were pretty sucky well yeah (laughs) but still that's that's pretty good accomplishment um you didn't play a lot but you got to play Mm -hmm. and you know basketball i think you're probably starter as a sophomore sophomore yeah so you know everybody knew you were good at sports and track the same way in baseball but when i came along it's like Nobody really thought I was a good athlete or as good an athlete. Actually, you did. You were a
0: better athlete.
1: You did, Uh and you helped me become better than I was. But, you know, football, I didn't get to play much until I – I mean, I played all the time as a senior, but as a junior, I still – that was our best year, and I still didn't get to play that much until – the middle of the year, somebody got hurt, and I finally got to play a right. little bit. Mm-hmm. And I remember beginning of the year, I had broken finger from baseball, and so the, you know, doctor told me I shouldn't play with the broken finger because it might, you know, never heal right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I never played much on the basketball team either, and you know, circumstances were kind of against me too because the year I would have got to play, I think, yeah, you tore I your hurt knee. my knee playing yep. football, so. And again, that was our best. Well, it wasn't the best basketball year the f- year before when Charlie was a, Charlie Marti was a senior and Ronnie, right. mm-hmm. um, they were really good. Um, but you know, I got hurt that year too, so I didn't get to play much. But as a sophomore, I never got to play basketball at all. Even on the reserve team, I didn't get to play much. Um,
0: and well, so, and we worked really hard that summer between your sophomore and your junior year. Right. You and I worked hard Mm -hmm. shooting hoops and getting your jump shot better and and doing those sort of things. Because I remember then we came to Omaha to play in the Summer League. And that was Summer League basketball in Nebraska was pretty new back then, right? They didn't used to do that. And they had created this league and Ashland was in it, but we were playing teams that were really good from Class A, like Omaha North had Mike McGee, who went on to play for the Lakers, you know. So we were playing with some highbrow. Talent. And I remember the coach Sutton, Barney Sutton, sitting in the stands because he couldn't coach you, but he could sit and he could watch. And I remember one of the first times we played up there, and you were draining jump shots from all over the place in this game. And Barney was like freaking out because he didn't know, right? He's seeing you grow up right before his eyes, right? And of course, then unfortunately, you you tore your knee in that football game, and we couldn't use you because back then, the way they dealt with a knee injury is so different. It took a long time, and today they try to get you back up and going pretty fast. So, But all water under the bridge in that let's – how did you – what lessons did you take away from athletics, both as my brother, as my teammate, and as yourself, your senior year, because you had a pretty good senior year, as I recall. Well, we weren't very good at football or basketball track. I did pretty well in, but um, – he could run like the wind. Yeah. <laughs> That's from running from the cops when he took an outhouse down Main Street. <laughs> if, if we'd have had a baseball team, though, I probably would have played baseball instead of
1: track. But uh, track was probably my best sport. Um, but, you know, you know the same, same types of stuff. You know, you don't quit on your team. Although, you know, I remember my senior year dad pulled me aside after a game and we were getting beat by 40. And he kind of said, I was a little disappointed in you because I thought at the end you kind of quit. And he was right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, we were getting beat by 35, 40 points and, you know, just wasn't playing as hard as I could have been and should have been. And, um, you know, but that kind of stuff. And, And that sticks with me to this day that, you know, he was disappointed in my effort, and here I was a senior. I should have been, you know, leading better than that. Um But, you know, I do remember another game, football game as a senior that we got beat pretty bad by Elkhorn, 36 to zip. And it was raining that game, and it was cold. cold. It was just horrible. <laughs> I remember getting tackled into a puddle on the sideline that was probably a foot deep. <laughs> probably could have drowned in this thing yeah. if you'd. Wouldn't have been able to get up. <laughs> and it was just terrible. And after the game, some of our team was talking smack to the other team because we were going into the locker rooms that weren't too very far apart. And I thought mm-hmm. i started yelling at our team. I said, what the heck do you guys have to talk smack about? They just kicked our butts 36 to nothing. Right. So, you know, shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. And I usually didn't, you know, do that kind of stuff. I was more of a, you know, try to lead by example kind of person um which probably what upset me the most about dad telling me he thought i quit in that game but uh you know just playing to the end being responsible being a good teammate always showing up you know working your best working your hardest um but you know like we talked about before you know you i probably got more coaching from you in every sport than i got from our actual coaches in a lot of cases, because a lot of our coaches didn't see any potential yeah. in me. Um, and I never quite understood why. Um,
0: but well, I knew that if, if I worked with you and you got better, you were going to be a big part of, of the teams that we were going to be on together. Uh, it turned out that way in football uh, for your junior year and, and my senior year. And it was going to turn out that way in basketball. I, I am certain of that. Uh, but unfortunately that the, uh, injury came up and then track, you know, we were, we, we loved did track together. We didn't do any of the same events, but, um, one of my favorite track memories with you is when we were in college and I was a senior and I wasn't very fast. My brother is very fast. He could run. And, uh, They had created a 400 meter relay team for Hastings College, and we went to the conference track meet. It was at the University of Nebraska on their beautiful track, and it was beautiful weather. And uh, we had a football player named Bruce Meath, right? Um, It was Bruce Meath, you, me, and Oshner, Tony Oshner, right? And so here we are running the 400 meter relay. Was it Doug
1: Meath? Bruce was the. I
0: thought Bruce was the faster one. No, he was the younger one. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Bruce. But anyway, so we line up, and I'm the third leg of the relay. So it's Bruce Meath and then Kirby is the second leg, and then he's going to hand it to his brother, me, and then I'm going to hand it to Tony Oshner, who was another football player from Hastings. So uh, it's a great memory because it's the only time I ever won a gold medal in college track. <laughs> I, I got medals but I didn't ever win a gold one and, and so when the gun goes off and when I'm watching from across the track right and Mees doing pretty good and he hands the, the baton to my brother and my brother's zinging around uh his 110 meters or his 100 meters and and as I take off, right, I'm looking at the marks and I'm taking off and I'm sprinting as hard as I can go. And here comes a baton into my hand, and I hear my brother say, run like hell, don't drop their baton. And <laughs> which and Don was the team to beat, right? They were always the team to beat. Well, they had dropped the baton. That meant they weren't eligible anymore. So I was hauling butt as fast as my body could take me. And I gave it to Oshner and he zinged and he was pretty fast. And we zinged around and we won the 400 meter relay and I got the only gold medal that I ever got in college. And, and I just, I love that. I still hear the words from my brother. He's screaming in my ear. <laughs> well, I remember
1: the coach, you know, cause relays are pretty transitory. I mean, you different guys run from mm-hmm. week to week. And, uh, you know, I remember coach talking to me or me talking to the coach and I, I said, Clay can do it. You know, Clay's fast enough and he's certainly going to be smart enough to handle the the run up and the, the baton pass and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, so I I was excited to, you know, be proactive for you once Sure. in my life where you were always doing that for me. And I remember I, there was a meet not too long before that meet because you got to run on that relay more than once. I, mean, yeah, I don't even remember. I just remember that day, but... Uh, at least twice, I think. Probably. And the first time you did it, somebody
0: you fell or oh that was I, the 800 meter one we we ran that the 800 meter relay I don't remember where it was but I was number two in the leg and I ran the fastest split I've ever run in my life in a 200 meter I was like 22 seconds or some crazy number but then um the guy I gave the baton to fell yeah somebody Steve fell, Bernie somebody was his dr- name. or dropped the baton or something yeah, he, no and, he
1: wiped out and I remember you were really upset and you felt like it was your fault, and it was like no, it's,
0: yeah, because stuff happened. He left early, and I remember I had the baton, and I kind of went uh, and threw it to his hand because I had no—I mean, there's no way he was going to get the baton, right? So I tried to throw it to him, and he tried to grab it, and he wipes out, and and we were done. But well, actually, yeah. we'd have been done from throwing the baton, right? I, but you know, you're you're competitive, didn't right? See, what can you do? What can you do? I got to get him the baton, so I kind of flipped my hand up and.
1: But yeah, I remember having a couple of those kind of conversations. You know, when things weren't going as as well for either one of us in college. Yes, and uh, you know that that one particular conversation after that, you know, failure, you know, or where it didn't work out. But then I was really happy that that relay at the at the conference meet was we, we were able to win. And
0: well, your impact to me was the biggest in my college career after we went to Midland. It was my senior year. I had had a summer internship at Valmont Industries in Valley, Nebraska, and a bunch of the people I worked with lived in Fremont, which was where Midland College at the time, it's now Midland University. They lived there, right? And Hastings was gonna play a game at Midland my senior year. And so, as we talked during my summertime there, oh, we're gonna come to the game, we're all gonna come to the game, we had a big crowd. And son of a gun, we pull up to the stadium and we walk in into warm-up, and there are banners around the stadium with my name on it, right? Mm-hmm. You remember that? Valmontonians for clay and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, wow, they they did. They came. They brought numbers. They brought banners. And we played Midland that day, and Hastings played probably one of the best games they've ever played, and we beat them like 54 to 17 or some craziness, and I got zero plays on the field. Not, I didn't even get – you know, usually they'd come up say, Clay, get ready. <laughs> I didn't even get a Clay, get ready, right? And I stood there the whole game, but my brother was having a great day. And I, that's what – I was very excited, and it mattered not to me at that moment because my brother was having success, and that was so cool. Well, we get after the game, and we're on the bus. And I remember sitting on the bus, and Coach Moppin was standing in the uh, doorway of the bus on the step, and my dad came up. And my dad never – Never got involved with coaches. And he came up to Moppin, and, and Moppin looked at him like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and he says, uh, I'm Jack Anderson. Clay and Kirby are my sons. And on a day when you kick the crap out of the other team, and my son, a graduating senior, doesn't even get on the field, I find that to be you know, horrible or whatever he said and mop and looked at him, you know, we, we 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 just play who we can. We we decide who needs to play and we you know, typical coach speak, right? And dad looked at him and just walked away and I was crushed. I I was sitting in my seat, I was crying, you know, all these people had come out, they'd put these banners out. And we go back to Hastings and I make it through that day. It was a Saturday and the next day we had practice in the Kiwit gym. And yeah, the weather was cold or whatever it was, but we're in the gym and we were just running sprints. And I went up to you and I said, "I'm quitting." And you remember what you said back? Mm-hmm. we don't. We're Andersons. We don't quit. We're Andersons. We don't quit. That's right. And
1: see, that's back to earlier. We try, but then somebody
0: always steps up and won't yep. let us. And won't let us. <laughs> yep. And I didn't quit. I stayed with it. You know, I don't even remember if I played any more that year or whatever it was, but I didn't quit. And uh, I, gave, I told this story, at the comm- I gave the commencement address at Hastings shortly after I became an astronaut or after I flew in space, I don't remember what it was. But I went to Hastings and gave the commencement address and I told this story and I cried on the podium uh, because it was so emotional for me to remember this story and how my brother stood up for me. So um, jump forward now, the last thing I want to talk to you about is the space flight. And I want you to think about you know, mom had cancer, right? We were dealing with all that, or you guys were dealing with it way more than I was, but, uh, tell everybody about your thoughts and your feelings about watching your brother go, uh, launch into space.
1: Well, and the first thing, you know, mom was getting treatment for cancer and it was going, it was going well, but you know, they, they weren't real high on her flying and going (laughs) to to Florida to see the launch. And, um, she kind of had to meet some standards to with her treatment, with her results, and her health and stuff before they'd allow her to go. So we kind of had to coach her real hard mm-hmm. to do the do what she needed to do to to be able to go. And she did, of course, she did. Um, yeah, I don't think you know
0: wild horses could have kept her yeah from going.
1: But you know, so she was able to come down. And you know, I one of the one of the things I remember is well how scared I was. Um, you because know, I knew what could go wrong, what could happen, you know, it wasn't I mean it was it was quite a long time after Challenger. Um but still that's in the back of your mind. Um well, I guess I
0: shouldn't say what was it, ten years. Well, you had Challenger in eighty six Columbia. Columbia in two thousand three, so yeah, it was, so it was
1: little over 20 years and 10 Mm -hmm. and not quite 10, but, um, so, you know, I, I knew what could go wrong and the stakes were high. And so it was pretty scary. You were scared on one hand, excited on the other, um, incredibly proud all the time. But, um, one thing I remember was, you know, mom and Lori, you know, we were with mom the whole time and, um, I mean, there were other family members there, but Lori and I were with mom, and we s- sat in the front of the bleacher because, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to make her climb up the bleacher. But um, we were standing waiting for the launch, and I remember we were asked, not so politely, I won't mention by who, but <laughs> to sit down so that we could see. <laughs> and, you know, mom was all, what, a three.
0: With her sh- shoulder slumped over. She's probably about five yeah. two.
1: <laughs> and, you know, Lori wasn't very tall. I mean, I'm sure I was, but I just thought it was a little rude to ask the mother of the the, the mother of the reason you're here, because it was somebody that was here for Clay yeah. um, to ask the mother of the astronaut that you are here to see, <laughs> sit down, because she's in the way. <laughs> So I was not very happy about that. and then, But we did, we were Andersons, we did what we were asked to do. <laughs> and of course, when the launch went off, we were in the front row, so we didn't really know what was going on behind us. But of course, everybody stood up behind us anyway. Exactly. So it did not matter a bit. So I remember that being terribly annoyed and being in the front row, the, the countdown clock was right there. And right. so it was kind of obstructing our view of the launch which kind of annoyed me even more, <laughs> but um, of course, you know, the launch goes off and the, the next thing I remember was, um, you know, not being relieved yet at all, but everybody else cheering and being happy. And it's like, Oh, that was great. It's like best thing ever. And um, talking and, and cheering and screaming and all the things you do at that kind of a thing. But I remembered that, you know, Challenger, a minute into the launch, you know, the throttle up. Right. Boom. Right. So I'm trying to hear, because there's audio of the conversation between the the, the shuttle and the, the ground crew, and I'm trying to listen to what's going on and waiting to hear the throttle up command, because mm-hmm. I knew that that was a major... Point in the launch, right, and everybody was carrying on conversations, talking loud, and I just, I didn't, but I just wanted to turn around and say, "Will you guys be quiet?" (laughs) I'm, I need this is not over. (laughs) We've got to get through at least the throttle up command, and (laughs) you know, I never did hear them say the throttle up, but I knew about when it happened, right. So once you were past that point, um, I relaxed
0: quite a bit, but. Um it's a load, isn't it? When you when you know someone <clears throat> well A, when you know someone, that's one load level. But when you one of your family is going, that's a another totally different load yeah. level that people don't understand.
1: Well, and the other thing was seeing it in person, it looks different, way different right. in person than on TV, because I don't know how high up you are, but when the the shuttle rolls over on its back, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, seeing that in person is not the same. And I (laughs) didn't realize it happened as soon as as it did (laughs) because it didn't seem like you were much more than a couple hundred feet up and it rolls, it starts rolling. And I thought, I can be kind of negative, but I thought something was going wrong. Something was wrong,
0: yeah, yeah. And if you don't scared, know
1: it scared me to death wow well, and then you know once it rolled over and started off then i realized it was just my perception because mm-hmm. i hadn't seen one in person and
0: i'm sorry to you know, put you through that well
1: and the the other thing too is it's it's such a sensory experience yes. because you of course see it but you see it on tv but when you're there in person you you feel it mhm you smell it, mm-hmm. um, it's just, of course, the sound is is incredible, too, and it's, you know, a delayed response because, well, we were three miles away, so, you know, you see things way more than before you hear them, mm-hmm. and then, of course, you smell them later when the wind, you know, blows the, the fumes <laughs> over a little bit, but, you know, all those things, you know, feeling the the rocket was one of the most amazing things because you know I always compared it like when you're watching a fireworks show and those right. big concussion bombs go mm-hmm. up and you see the light then you hear the sound and then sometimes you feel, feel the, the, pressure. the wave yep. uh-huh. well with the shuttle it was like thousands of those you just <laughs> you just it was like and that's kind of the sound it makes too it's like a yes. harley davidson you know <laughs> blah, 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 blah.
0: and <laughs> And it's, it's just the strangest experience. But it's the coolest experience. Oh, yeah. When it's over, right? It's yeah. it's type two fun. It wasn't so fun when you're going through it, which is type one fun. But yeah. type two is when it was over. I hey, that was pretty fun. Well, and we had the best of both worlds because then,
1: even though I did not like getting up at like 2 in the morning for the second one, but mm-hmm. I forget what time that launch was, but we had to get up and – middle of the night to get on the buses to be driven to the viewing area. But we got to see one in the daylight and then one at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about the second one was the International Space Station flew right over the launch site. I don't know how many minutes before the launch, but, you know, that was the timing of it mm-hmm. because that's why we were launching or you were launching yeah. in the middle of the night or five in the morning or whatever it was. And, um, I don't know that I knew that was going to happen. I think I did have the app on my phone or, or, you know, at, maybe at the time I was had emails that would said give it was coming, mm-hmm. you know, timing of, and, uh, citing opportunities where you were, but they announced it before the launch too, that it was it was going to be coming over and of course when they knew exactly when it was coming over and they told us exactly where, <laughs> where? to look. And, <laughs> and it was so cool because it, it you know we're looking out at the at the, the launch uh, hey. tower mm-hmm. straight in front of us and the ISS comes and it's a wide open area and uh, well there's a few trees behind but you know it comes straight over almost straight up above us and it's bright as a star Mm -hmm. i mean a bright star and it literally goes right over the launch pad and they're explaining what's going on and then then of course the shuttle takes off and and angles basically like a car merging onto the interstate (laughs) you know right you know to follow right in step with the space station here we come (laughs) and it was so cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was an added bonus for the second one, you know, and we wouldn't have been able to see that if it was in the daytime, so it was nice that it was pitch black, and we got to see all that, but, uh, you know, and seeing a launch in the darkness is like a ball of fire, and, you know, I remember another thing back to the first launch where mom was there that, you know, she was emotional and tearing up, and and the one thing she said right after that is, is you know, I can't believe that that's my baby up there in all that fire. <laughs> I <laughs> never heard know, that one. <laughs> it's, you know, fire is all you see after oh, yeah. a certain point. it's <laughs> just, and, and I thought that was pretty funny. But, you know, she was probably feeling all the same emotions sure. that I was. And, you know, I don't know that she freaked out like I did when it, Rolled on its back, and I didn't think it was supposed to do that yet. But I don't know if she would have thought that. But, um, you know, we were all holding hands and
0: holding on to each other, and you know, shaking a little bit. Well, but, it's I, as your brother, am honored that that a you guys were there, but b that you were there to take care of mom, right? Because. You know, when I got assigned, we knew she had lung cancer. And NASA wouldn't announce it. You know, it wasn't on their template of schedule. And I remember asking Scott Kelly, who the commander of my STS-118 crew at the time, to could, could he please see about getting a press release so that mom could see that I was actually going to launch so she would have a target, you know, in time to make sure she was doing her chemotherapy and all the things she needed to do to, to keep her alive such that she could witness this moment. So, and Scott was gracious. He did that. Um, and I didn't even fly on his mission. I got moved up to fly earlier, but the fact that you and Lori and mom were there, uh, and uncle Jim, you know, I can never say thank you enough because it was so important to me. And as we close here, I'd, I'd like to just give a quote. It's an unknown quote, but it means a lot to me, and it's, it's simple. Because I have a brother, I will always have a friend. Well, that's Truer words were never spoken.
1: I love you. I love you, too. And you know, Mom, when you were launching the first time, we weren't sure we should tell you that she had cancer. Right. Because we didn't know if it would affect the launch and how we, you would respond. And we didn't want you to be up in space for five months right. not being able to do much. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the the emphasis for her to do the right thing to be able to come back in the fall when you came back mm-hmm. so that she could be there and see you. And, you know, that was more the the where she had to do all the right things to be healthy enough to go and I think that was a blessing because absolutely was it only what three weeks after that
0: yes three weeks after we landed and and we were you know I landed
1: on November 2nd right 7th 7th yeah your anniversary 15th
0: wedding anniversary and she passed away on what December 13th 13th Mm -hmm. so we you know one of the other neat stories about all this with mom was that when i landed after my five-month mission um, we were supposed to spend the day at kennedy space center i was supposed to be able to travel to the beach and the condo where you guys were staying and share time with mom and the family and sue and the kids uh and then we would go home to houston well turns out president george bush george w bush 43 was going to be was already in texas in college station doing some you know fundraiser or something and air force 1 was parked at ellington field and and george bush said he wanted to greet the crew and so all the schedules were moved up and that morning my first morning uh, after coming home from space I wasn't going to get to go to the condo. I wasn't going to get to spend time with my family. So I asked the folks in crew quarters, Jerry Ross, a fellow astronaut, good guy, uh, if there was a way that you guys could get out to crew quarters, because that typically wasn't allowed. And uh, he he made it happen. And uh, we got to spend some time together. I got to touch mom again for the first time in however long it had been. And uh, you were on the video camera. <laughs> and. Uh, I think your joke was that it was the first successful touchdown by a Nebraskan in the entire football season. (laughs) That fall. Because we did not have a great fall when I was in space. (laughs) Uh, But those memories of holding her hand and saying, telling her I loved her and that I would see her soon, uh, it turns out I never saw her again. And, um, again, the fact that you were there with Lori – and Uncle Jim and Sue and my kids to, to be there and bring her there for me uh, is hugely important to me. So,
1: Well, and I don't think any of us realized it would be so so right. short a time oh, after no. that that she would not. pass away. But, um, you know, we knew how important that was for her to see you and for you to see her. And, uh, you know, because I think I made the comment in your your. NET st- uh, documentary about your, your, your uh, path and career that, you know, you would have never forgiven yourself. I don't think if you never right. got to see her again. So right. I was so grateful for that interaction for both of you, mm-hmm. you know, not just mom, but for you. Cause right. you know, I didn't want you to carry that burden with you the rest, rest of your life of not seeing her mm-hmm. and you know, your trip to space, being the reason you didn't get to see mom for the last you know six months
0: of her life. Yeah, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah, but so I was grateful. Thanks, thanks to God, and and the way life turns out, it, it was all good. So I'm proud of you, brother. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you, too. And I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Thanks for exposing <laughs> yourself to all these great people listening to this podcast. My so, pleasure. Thank you. Please rate, review, follow, and subscribe as it helps others find my podcast. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to my dear friend Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller fame for the use of his talents and music. A Media Production